This is Up The Creek, the definitive Jonathan Creek podcast with your host, my good friend, Daniel Krupa, and me, Gav Murphy. Today, Maddie fools Jonathan as we investigate the death of the reclusive Ezra Carr. In this podcast, we talk about Jonathan Creek via the effect, the method, and the reveal. Daniel, what is the effect of Ghost's Forge? Robin Priest has a dream about a house he's never visited where an old man, Ezra Carr, is found stabbed in the back of the neck. Maddie also disappears from a room. <laughs> you don't like this, do you? You're like not a massive fan. I mean, it's not a Jonathan <laughs> Creek episode. Oh, wait. Please are here to take me away. I just... I- not a fan I, it doesn't feel like a Jonathan Creek episode at all it, well it's not Mimi comes and presents a murder to him because he now does murders that are just a bit just unexplained not not impossible not mysterious just unusual because they haven't caught a killer yet it is a bit weird admittedly that Robin says he's never been to this place and here's the name but still yeah. I don't think that's enough to immediately qualify it as a Jonathan Creek episode no you're right and then they introduce this they have to introduce a more straightforward magic illusion mm. to give it something with the Maddie in the house when you say like that it becomes less of a oh that's a charming little thing that happens and actually more of a crowbar in uh, thing because yeah. that's the thing is like I, I look I have to admit I there's lots in this episode that I generally quite like I don't know if I just really like that scene where Shirley goes to knock on the door and then he just he's sitting standing by the fire having a cup of tea explaining his entire life to him I don't really like that I was like his life sounds great I thought you meant the cup of tea <laughs> yeah I like that his life sounds awesome like he got this well, apart lo- from his wife dying when they were 18 yeah but that was ages ago He's in his. I mean, he's haunted now. by it. He's, he's his, haunted by. He's, he's in his thirties now, and he's rich, and he lives in a big castle. It's lush, <laughs> and no one, everyone leaves him alone. No one is right, bothering him for a, a right-wing MP. Yeah, <laughs> that's weird, isn't it? <laughs> so, lots of lots of weird texture in this episode. Yeah, um, I yeah. There's lots of really weird uh, texture in this. I, I yeah. I I don't I don't mind it. I like um. This weirdly becomes like a thing that comes back. There's another episode in this series which has like an old dead person staring. Um, yeah, and then we I also get an episode. Yeah, it looks exactly the same person. To be fair. Um, and he also looks exactly like Alan Rogesmith. So, um, but there's a there's a thing that there's another episode as well, which has like a lady looks like she's seen something out the window and is terrified. We've just had Mother Redcap, uh, which has a similar thing as well, where they're looking out the window. I really like that idea. I don't know. There's something Windows. freaky about it. Yeah, just like looking up and seeing this horrible thing. I think maybe as a kid, is because I was just I think afraid of just seeing a face somewhere because our toilet was directly above uh, was directly opposite the where you went downstairs in my house so i used to have to walk across the landing to go to the toilet and i was just the the main fear in my life the one thing that i had to deal with was the fact that i always thought i was going to see someone at the bottom of the stairs i had nightmares about it constantly i had the same thing in in my childhood home there was a door at the bottom of our stairs. Oh. The cloakroom where you put your coats. Mm. And I always just think when I'm walking up these stairs, what if that door opens behind me? What is my yeah. plan? What do I do? Can I make it to the top in time? Oh, God, I'll, I'll have to think about that for a little bit. So you're Jonathan, the magic man. I've got a little something might just be up your street. Coffee. 
I don't suppose you got any iced tea? I'm afraid we just sucked the last bag. The me- the Mimi thing is really odd because she just comes into them. Because I guess, so this is the thing. Is Jonathan relatively famous now? Well, ba- based on the TV appearance yeah. and the fact that he has fans, mm. female fans, and we'll see in a future episode, male fans. Yeah. I think he is semi-famous. So, yeah, they, they're waiting around for Mimi to come. She's obviously got in touch. And she comes around and gives him, uh, like the whole spiel for it um but also then we also get this maddie disappearance in the room um could they go to ghost forge they go to the place to investigate investigate it and check it out so they find a locked door and then mimi and maddie go around outside to find a way into this room from a window yeah maddie goes up the ladder first mimi follows when mimi gets up there maddie's disappeared you there yet Hello! Come on, what are you playing at in there, for goodness sake? Maddie! Are you out there? What are you talking? She's in there with you! Well, she's not! She went up the ladder, but when I came... I mean, she must have come out through this door. How could she have come through this door when I can't even get the thing open? So the method for the Robin Priest bit about the dream. Uh, so Robin Priest is actually Ezra Carr and Ghost Forge is his house. But Shirley Stevens attempted to rob the property with her uncle and lover, Bill, who she murders. And that becomes the body that people presume is Ezra Carr. During the housebreak, the real Ezra Carr uh, gets knocked on the head after falling down the stairs and gets amnesia. And Shirley convinces him that they're married and he then just becomes robin priest um but then the also the method for the the cupboard and the room is maddie has been to the house days before and convinced the painters and decorators class over the actual door she gets into the cupboard rather than open up the door this is one of those methods yes it does make sense but it's one of those that is so so annoying because you're not give there's no possible way you would arrive at that because it's unfair it's unfair for you to arrive at the fact that, oh, she was there before and she's got someone to plaster over the wall because that is an unrealistic and wild thing to do. Yeah, and I think you can even extend that to the Robin Priest stuff because Jonathan works out the tip of the iceberg with it. Based on a few clues, he figures out that Robin Priest is actually the writer, Yeah, Ezra Carr. But there's a lot of it he can't explain, and there's a lot of it that is held back from the viewer entirely. It's quite thin, and the reason you know it's quite thin as well is not only does Jonathan go, right, Shirley, you're going to have to fill us in from there, because <laughs> he hasn't worked it all out. Oh, he said, oh, we need you to fill in the gaps. Ten minutes follow of flashbacks. Yeah, well, the whole reveal starts with 18 minutes left. The reveal what? starts, like Mimi yeah. comes around to the house... And it's and there's 18 minutes to go. There's ha- almost half the episode still to go. I think that's why I don't. I, structurally, I think it's a bit all over the place. Because mm. then you've got 10 minutes of Shirley giving heavy exposition in this weird dreamlike yeah. way it's shot, and then you've got the coda where you find out the Maddie solution. Yeah, that's it's not very satisfying to end on that as much as the big mystery. But then the big mystery isn't that big a mystery. No, I do think maybe this started out almost like the mnemonic in time waits for norman i wonder if when Wick came up with this idea for ghost forge yeah and then has built from that and this is what he got to yeah i think he's really taken with that clue of ghost forge yeah and the whole thing is just 
working back from that one idea, that one clue. I don't know. I think he definitely just came up with this with a notebook mm. and then has built on this a lot. And then by the end of the episode, this can't quite carry it. Yeah. Because everything that is grafted on top of it to make it work is so wild. Yeah. It, it's really odd. And there's even like bits where it, it you know, it just forgets that Maddie is now a famous author. When they get that pack of books, she's like, why would you order five copies? And Jonathan's like, well, it's obviously six and one's being taken out. Like, sometimes you get some from your publishers. Why is Maddie not going, I know exactly what that package is because I get it all the time. Yeah, and she also says, oh yeah, in my case, mm. um, sometimes that's known to double the run. Yeah. No, it's not. You're famous now. Yeah. You're successful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You printed 10,000 copies in Australia alone. Yeah. But also as well as like in the frustrating bits where, and this is like, we've talked about this all along, right? At some point, Jonathan, like the, the good Jonathan Creek episodes give you the means to be able to work it out. And then you're then impressed by the way that it actually is done because you weren't able to do it. This doesn't even give you that. And it also does a really, really frustrating thing where Jonathan works out the locked room thing. Like almost instantly he's like, oh yes, very good, you very good. You. How the fuck are you getting that? That's insane. <laughs> Just make the episode that. Yeah. Or this is the thing is like make the the silly thing, which is now and again we do get it. The silly thing is just a parallel to the actual working out and like the way that they work it out is mm. from the silly thing now and again. And you're like, okay, yeah. cool, that's good. Make those two things connect, but they don't at all. These I think these I think this is a bag of broken biscuits, yeah. this episode. I think these are things that we're knocking about this idea of the root and it's just it combined them probably because they're a bit short on running time as well because yeah. also it doesn't even factor into good characterization with jonathan and maddie because when you first get introduced to mimi mm. you think she's going to be another step on from sheena yeah who mocked his magic yeah to heidi who believed magic was real yeah and now we've got a third variation, which is Mimi, who is actually better at working stuff out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or she can work out his tricks and see through them. Mm. But there's actually no tension between them at all. No. Be and I thought that's what was going to be introduced when I f first watched this and when I rewatched it even. Yeah. Because it sounds like Maddie worked with her on a local paper. Yes, that's what it sounds like. So they've got history. So you think they're going to play on that? They don't at all. She's like, Mimi's quite infuriating anyway. But. And when she's introduced, you're like, oh, Maddie feels a little bit uh, threatened by her. So then comes up with this trick for it, which I do kind of like, but it's just the way it's all presented is just a bit crap. Well, she says, um, I told the builders about Mimi and they hated her. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it seems like everyone else loves her. They hate her and I paid them. <laughs> Pay them to do work in some of somebody else's house. Yeah. <laughs> Pay them not only to plaster up. Like, I've never plastered anything, but I've watched it being done. It looks like a fucking pain in the ass to be able to plaster something and then have to put it back to normal. But then that's the thing is like, is Maddie rich now because of her big, like, successful book? Because earlier she was saying she, like, has been known to double her print run. Yeah, and earlier she was using a computer and curries. Madness. Absolute madness. It's, this is one of those ones where I know we always ask, like, does it make sense? Yes, it does make sense, but... It's not elegant. No. It's not simple. It's There's not an epiphany, because the epiphany is just figuring out that Robin Priest isn't who he says it is. What comes next is so elaborate, like, spectacularly elaborate, involving amnesia. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. Anything that involves amnesia, you've got to... Yeah. 
you've got you're an uphill battle when you're introducing amnesia in the last 20 minutes of anything i think but also as well it feels like it's missing something because when have we ever had jonathan be like do you want to fill in the gaps for us no i watch this because i like watching you work it out that's what this show is all about why am i now getting you just to ask people (laughs) because the only thing he really figures out is that Robin Priest is Ezra Carby. He doesn't really know how it, the rest of it fits together. No, he just just by just by reading that book as well. Like that's kind of is a big epiphany. Is he reads yeah. the Gravedigger, the book that they find, and then also reads the competition winning article or feature that Robin has written, and he's like pretty much this, you can tell same it's like the same sort of same style, same style to it. Um, which it, actually I don't mind that. I think that's quite a, yeah. like an elegant little thing. I did check whether or not George Easton is actually a real person because I was like, that f- all feels a bit wild. Because the way that they talk about him, maybe this is just good writing and it went over my head. The way they talk about him is if like, we should know who he is because it's yeah. not like Jonathan going, hey, Maddie, do you know who George Eastland is? And Maddie goes, no, I don't know who that is. Then Jonathan going, right, I'll explain to you who it is. Maddie knows exactly who he is and they talk about him so familiar that I was like, holy shit, should I know who this is? <laughs> it's almost, I wonder if it's like, it's oh it's that type of tory peer yeah you know the one yeah i don't know who i wonder who they're trying to riff off well hamilton uh had a bunch of didn't he write fiction books did he yeah so i probably like i think there was a maybe a trend um where people started getting famous for being politicians Jeffrey jeffrey archer there you go like that's exactly that's what it is isn't it I think there was like a, a, a phase where so lots of people do it. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's probably exactly what it is. So it's actually very clever then, to be fair. Good, good. Well done. Well done, Renez. It's like the title of this one. The Gravedigger has nothing to do with a man who digs graves. It's about this very miserable Australian. Sorry, Lev. Oh. Grave digger. Very clever. Okay, we've had the effect, the method, and the reveal. But there are other elements which make up every Jonathan Creek episode, starting with the Victor Meldry reward for most unbelievable scene. This fucking band playing outside. <laughs> you dare start up that racket again! I forbid it! Yes, you with a trombone! I'm warning you! One peep out of that thing and you're... I mean, it's in the entire episode. <laughs> also, that is not an umpa band. She says, like, oh, it's an umpa band playing outside. It's like, an umpa band sounds completely different to that. Like, that sounds like a New Orleans style, like, uh, parade band. And that's exactly what it is. That is not an umpa are you, band. Are you saying you don't believe it's an umpa band? Yeah, I don't believe it. I don't believe it. Um, and, it, well, all the stuff that happens with it, wonder that they've only got one song. Uh, which they've licensed and it's just the same song over and over again they're playing outside at like all hours uh mimi can shut that up because she's beautiful um so that's kind of a sad thing uh and then when the funeral it ends up being a funeral that's coming past and maddie sprays them with a hose what that they happen to be playing the same song this band has been playing if they meant to be a different band i, I assume so, they yeah. are meant to be a different band. why the fuck are they playing the same song that's a mad coincidence the person who died it was their favorite song yeah and then she squirts them um, with the hose pipe also the bit where shirley comes around and spray paints oh yeah that's all maddie's wild. face and then the umpire band begins to play yeah and she says almost a variation her version of the Meldrew phrase yeah. she goes no. 
joking. That is, I don't believe it. <laughs> I reckon the first draft, he's gone into autopilot and written, I don't believe it. He's got a shortcut set up for that. Go, I can't use that. Dave, Renners, Renners, you've got to change that line. Yeah, you've okay, really watched the change it. You've got to be joking. Or you complete another bastard. Yeah. Adam and the false teeth. Yeah. That's just a wild thing. I know that obviously just reveals quite a lot about Adam. But I love how they explain that uh, John, uh, he's just been away. So like, it's like, why hasn't he been in any episodes recently? And then you just see him getting back from up a, a journey uh, in a car. Yeah. <laughs> also, Adam and the bathrobe. Oh, yeah. That's an absolute massive punchline. I am full of shit written on it. Written in Japanese. Written in Japanese. Like, could you get one of those in Japan? I'm sure they do. Obviously, you could go to uh, a place that makes them, but you'd have to explain it and stuff like that. They'd be like, "Can you write? Yeah, I am full of shit on it. this." Because yeah. it seems like they were. Why is she? Has she got back with him, that girl, just so she can give him this robe that says, "I am full of shit." Yeah, because when you first see them, she's just got back from Japan. Yeah. So I don't know where he's been, but she's kissing him. She seems fine with him, but. She's obviously stitching him up. It's mad. Absolutely mad. But then, to be fair, you'd be hard-pressed to get anything worse than that entire band sequence. Uh, uh, that's the thing. In an episode where Adam, the false teeth, and the jacket doesn't win the Mildred, <laughs> you know it's an exceptional episode. <laughs> but also, as well, it's really what's really sad about that is it's kind of... It shows Maddie just to be a bit incompetent all the way through it, which is really sad in an episode where she's come up with this absolute ludicrous yeah. trick that barely anyone can work out except for Jonathan. And I was like, that's really sad, though, because you're giving her this moment of like where she's the hero and come up with this awesome trick. And she's like, I've started to learn, I've started to think like Jonathan Creek. Then you also got to get her having spray paint all over her face and having a like a band playing out a thing that she's been troubled with. I'm ruining a funeral. Yeah, I feel, oh, it's really sad that is. No, no wonder she left at the end of this. She's like, fuck this, mate. Like Scully- Can't do another season of this. Yeah, Scully's not getting this bullshit week in, week out. Like she's a professor. Yeah. <laughs> um... I put in thing in the state of the most, turning up to someone's house and lighting up a cigarette. Yeah. I feel like that just would never happen now. Definitely wouldn't happen in a TV show, let alone real life. This is more personal. I remember this being a thing, calling someone madam. Yeah. Maddie says, madam comes in. Oh, yeah, Oh, here comes madam. Yeah. Uh, that's all I had, actually, for yeah. the state of the most. Uh, most British thing, then. Jim Bowen turning up. That's brilliant. Jim Bowen. Uh, so if people don't know, he's a, he's a stand-up comedian um, who then went on to great fame as the presenter of Bullseye, the world's best uh, quiz slash darts program. <laughs> Welcome to another edition of Bullseye. Let's get on with the game and meet the first couple tonight who are going to play with us on this incredible game of Bullseye. Have you married Eddie? Yeah, I've got two children. Two children. Yeah. Can they swim? The thing I really love about Bullseye, and it wasn't like, is there was, it's a team of two. You have one who's good at the darts and one who's good at the quiz questions. That's great. Mm. If you're the person who's really, really good at darts and you're getting it every single time and you're getting exactly what you need to do, then you get being let down by the questions. Those are always the best uh, Bullseye episodes. Oh, it's, it's always the best when there's that dynamic and they're a married couple. Oh, yes. Married couple. Fantastic. Absolutely love that. Um, that's a that, that's a really weird 
storyline. That's quite Meldry as well. Bit of acting as well. Yeah. That's a quite Meldry bit as well, where he invites him to it, and then the lady who he's wronged the night before then turns up, and she yeah. he's recording. He's like, that's Clark with an E. Um, that's quite Meldry, yeah. really. They definitely trade on the fact that he's working for this small paper and he's got a thick northern accent. Mm. But he turns out to be incredibly worldly and cultured. Yeah. He spent seven years in Tokyo with Reuters. Yeah. So he's fluent in Japanese. And he also, it feels like, like Adam puts a lot of stock in. I know it's because Adam's an idiot. But I actually, to be fair, I think one of my favorite scenes that Adam's ever in is when he just turns up and then he just starts handing out that review. Uh, and, he, yeah. and he does it so quietly and he goes all the way around. And then Adam's like, but who care what he thinks, right? I really like that scene. And then when the curtains open and he's uh, really up insecure. on the big screen, I was like, I actually think this is really funny. I actually yeah. really liked all of that. Like, I'd rather him, I rather <laughs> him as an insecure performer than just a sex pest. Just a twat. Yeah. <laughs> but then this goes back to the thing. Do we think Dougie Dawson's good? He's obviously presented as quite a smart chap mm. intelligent fella but again the whole jonathan creek doesn't thing doesn't work for me if klaus is shit yeah i don't want him to be crap it's really sad it's really bored are there so few jobs going to magic jonathan's got to take it yeah maybe or the fact that maybe jonathan doesn't have the ambition like he likes doing it he likes the craft but i don't know or the fact that like klaus is actually quite successful and jonathan likes that part of it even though he likes to think that he doesn't like we've seen him you know when he's like oh i freeze up on chat shows and then he's actually fucking brilliant on chat show um so maybe he actually does like that a little bit more than he lets on i tell you what like it's not in it should be in that state thing that's dated the most but you know, if this was now, if this was made now, the actual fact that they're on TV would be a way bigger part of this. Like the show within a show would be a way bigger thing um, because that's quite a big thing now that happens. This is ahead of its time a little bit. But like, you know, like stuff like Kirby Enthusiasm and things like that. But I'm also thinking about like in Master of None, uh, Aziz Ansari is uh like a comedian presenter type guy and he gets a job presenting a cupcake show and the cupcake show yeah. them filming it becomes a really really big part of it i think if this is made now the adam klaus tv show becomes a way way bigger part of it because the way that it's presented is essentially like it's the theater show but they film it like they don't yeah. actually make an actual show out of it which yeah. is really weird My, i got for uh, also for most british thing um the phrase when uh, Maddie's talking about going to Ghost Forge and doing the trick and stuff, it was well worth a backhander to the lads. <laughs> backhander, lads. <laughs> well worth. It's brilliant. Love it. <laughs> Rich. Um, I've also got um, a young woman named Shirley. Yeah. Have we had a Shirley before? No, Tracy we've had. <laughs> I, and I know, I know all Shirleys start off as young women. Yeah. They have to. That's how they evolve. Mm. But it just seems quite British having a woman called Shirley. Yeah. Well, my nan uh, is called Shirley and my sister, who is 40, so she's five years older than me, she's called, her middle name is Shirley. So they called her Maria Shirley. What the fuck am I, my mom? <laughs> like, that's that's so such a wild name, that is. Shirley even says Maddie's catchphrase, you bastard, to uh, to the, her uncle Jack. Um, is it Jack? That's disgusting. Bill. Bill, that's it, yeah. Oh, I hate that. That's horrible. I mean, that, to be fair, that's quite nicely brought us to, is that all right? 
like a 15 year old and her uncle and then her said i enjoyed every minute of it that's the thing that's the weird tone mm. i don't does he even need that tone? no it's a weird little it's a weird little addition to it because that story plays without that yeah it almost plays better without it yeah, it does it just conf- because it muddies it for a cup for like 30 seconds and then she goes oh yeah but then actually it got really bad yeah because well we assumed it was bad anyway yeah and you would have stabbed him because of being stole like being kept in this basically abusive relationship for 10 years yeah. that's probably a good motivation for killing him but then she does that thing where she goes but i enjoyed every minute of it yeah me and my uncle bill it was like i suddenly learned to fly oh that's buzzing i put that in grot cabinet but that's disgusting the thing i mean shirley's in grot cabinet for me but Oof. um i just don't think it needs that bit to it at all it really does not it really does not but i think Maybe Mimi's bragging about having an affair. Mm. That's wild. That's absolutely wild. I was in a bar once uh, for a work thing and someone who I knew really well was just bragging about the fact that they were having an affair. Uh, I I called him a prick and walked off because I was just like, I I feel really odd. I knew his wife and he was just bragging. He was just bragging to like, it was like a group of like eight lads and uh, he was just bragging about having an affair. And I was just like, I, I don't like this at all. And I work with your wife. And I was just like, this is weird. I was like, I think you're acting like a bit of a prick, mate. I'm going to go. I just went and stood with it, another group of friends who were there in the bar. In my head, as far as are things that only happen on TV. Yeah. To that extent. I, I, I think like to have uh, something that is going on. I'm not saying that I excuse things happening, but if when it's calculated and it's like you're carrying this on at the for, at, for months and months for months and months. months and months and months, and you know that this would hurt someone that you are supposed to love, how could you live like that? I, I guess the way that they explain it away in this is that like he doesn't love her. And he never has. So if that's not there, like... Well, they uh, there's that line going, oh, they didn't seem right together. <laughs> yeah, that's one of the big clues. And like, <laughs> and also, Mimi is presented as this quite shallow character. Maddie refers to her as super glam girly reporter. Yeah. Well, that's... As to be if f- that excuses her. To be fair, though, I've actually put that in that all right. Like, I think the way that Maddie talks about another lady, yeah. just because... Because the weird thing is, yeah, she is a beautiful lady and she does seem to use her looks to her advantage. But at the same time, she also generally seems quite intelligent and she seems yeah. like she yeah. is, she's not getting those stories. She is getting, maybe getting the best out of the stories because she is beautiful. She has to write them all up and work them all out and stuff like that. No, she's figuring out all Jonathan's tricks. So I would put that in that's dating the most, but it stays in that. Um, is that all right? The whole bit about Bill and like leading up to his death and him in general, this was on just before, this was on like Christmas time. It was on in December. Like, how are you putting yeah. this on telly on Saturday night? It's Dickensian. He's basically Bill Sykes, Ezra Carr, like Jonathan says. Sound, it's just called yeah. good old Dickensian theming. Yeah, it's, it's definitely not all right because he is yeah. horrible looking when he oh, comes I in and tracks yeah. him. It's just like, in that bed set, it's really grotty and horrible. Yeah, when he breaks down the door, presumably to do something horrible to her, she's peeling potatoes. It's like, that is Dickensian, that is. <laughs> it's like Oliver Twist oh. locked away. Oh, I hate it. It's horrible. It makes me feel sick. Adam, uh, dressed up as a Native American. Well, we, we've had Egyptian. We've had uh, Middle East. That's really not all right. Do you think at the time, 
Because I know that it's meant to kind of trade on the fact that he is a moron. But at the same time, Jonathan's involved in these tricks. I don't think that... I think that was fine at the time. Not fine, but you know what? I think that would have gone past relatively unnoticed. More so the Native American one, probably. Mate, I was just watching... Um, Obviously, it's a long time ago, but there's a really good Spock documentary about Leonard Nimoy on Netflix. And I was just watching that. I showed some of his early things. And like he was, even though he's from Boston, he was constantly cast as a Native American and like just browned up, browned up to the nines, stick him on, make him talk slowly. He's a Native American. Fucking wild. Um, so maybe it was, That's yeah. That's his direction. Uh, <laughs> when... <laughs> when Adam is talking to Dougie and uh, Dougie makes the reveal like that it says I am full of shit on his thing and it's just got the music the little stinger on that also Adam referring to Japan as the land of raw fish <sighs> he said, also he says something I don't know I'll, get, I'll put that in the next yes section. yeah yeah but yeah referring to Japan as the land of raw fish the only thing it is known for that's also quite a British thing as well, I, th- I feel quite like. Quite as well. Yeah. Probably the first thing I knew about Japan. One of the first things most people know is probably sushi, Mate. I bet. In, in mid-90s, late-90s. I got into a big thing uh, last year because the Rugby World Cup was in Japan. And I, I, I felt like I was in a constant... I'm not saying that just because I've been to Japan, I understand the culture and all this different stuff, but... I do like the last samurai. Yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not saying that. But like, there was always there. There was a lot of stuff coming out around uh, the coverage of the Japanese World Cup um, in like rugby stuff, like particularly from Wales, but also from England as well. Like the like their official their official team stuff, the videos and the, all the promotion stuff. Like it was really not on. Like, they would dress up, like, there was this Welsh presenter who used to be a rugby player as well. They, like, dressed him up as, like, a geisha girl um, for different things. And I was like, that's, that's not on, man. It just shows you the stuff that's dated the most of that all right in the 90s. just shows you it happens now. Yeah. And sometimes people just don't have a real tin ear to it. They just, I'm sure some, uh, that's the weird thing. It's people who would intend malice yes. or mockery. Mm-hmm. Some people are just doing it out of pure, straight up ignorance. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And it still has a similar effect, but the latter is probably more excusable. Yeah. So it's just a lack of knowledge. But it still happens. I mean, Adam wouldn't even dress up as a geisha. Yeah. <laughs> okay, let's open up the grot cabinet then. Weirdly, we've got to open it back up when Adam's back on the scene. Uh, yeah, we've kind of talked about it, but surely suddenly I learned to fly. I just, uh, as, as a 15-year-old girl talking about it disgusting uncle bill but also i can't imagine him ever being not like that no oh it's horrible that's the thing is she saying that does she actually mean that or is she kind of manipulated and brainwashed yeah but i don't know and then her tone was like he wasn't an older man anymore just an old man he wasn't my lover he had become my jailer yeah it's buzzing like you said tea time or 7 p.m on a saturday night that's not on man like Oh, yeah, he's gross, that entire guy. It's just disgusting. They're really good at finding grotty old men for Jonathan Creek. With hair-like pubes. Ah, oh, yes, disgusting. Um, you, you know exactly what Bill smells like. Oh, it's horrible. Just mud and roll-ups. Um, yeah, when I guess we kind of touched a little bit, like two weeks in the land of raw fish, my tongue needs something without gills. That's buzzing. 
that is really not on nice. But again, it goes back to this Adam Klaus thing as well. It's like, does he know what sex is? Does he know what sexy is? Because <laughs> that is not. No wonder she's buying him stuff that says I'm full of shit on it. We're sure he, uh, are we definitely sure he's had sex? I bring know. that question because he doesn't in here. He walks away because he sees the false teeth. Yeah. Maybe he's not had sex. It's just a, it's another illusion. He's crap. I don't like him at all. <laughs> uh, have you got anything else in the grot cabinet? No. Ugh, let's show it. Let's show it. That's a bit of a sad grot cabinet this week. Yeah, don't like it. Don't like it at all. Don't You never like grot to be sad. Doing the opposite effect of what you should be doing. Um, like, weird Jonathan and Maddie update because, like, you like you kind of touched upon it it's like we think you think the Mimi's going to come in and be this like catalyst again and it's going to get something going but it kind of doesn't uh at all and absolutely she's not interested in jonathan at all in that sense and he's not really that interested in her no he's just annoyed by her and maddie is a little bit it almost feels like maddie's not um she's not put out by her in terms of like sexuality she does a little bit but it's more about the fact that she seems to be talk think thinking on jonathan's level which is something that maddie isn't quite able to do which is why then she brings in this trick and says yeah i'm starting to think like you so i actually show that i can do that on your level the trick is a good knockdown to that yeah for sure yeah um, it's quite sweet when they show that moment in the car where jonathan has like jonathan has some has a newfound respect for her he goes oh very good and then when he finds out the little detail of her rattling the handles, yeah. he really likes that touch. That's good, that is. I like that. Even though the whole trick is bonkers. Um, but yeah, you get like, I feel a bit sorry for Maddie. I feel like she just gets a bit of a kick in relationship while she was like, I despair of men generally. Um, she's not having, it feels like she's not having a good run you of things. You just gave 65 grand to some kittens. Yeah, that's true, actually. Um, but also, I kind of feel like in the way that they present Maddie in general, like before, when you when you first meet her, she's got like I like I always think she's absolutely beautiful anyway. But she's kind of presented like quite sexually. Like she's got short hair. She's super confident yeah. now. Like and they they dress her, they dress her in like she's got this weird old lady hair <laughs> that they give her, yeah. and like there's just like these really really like baggy cardigans now. I know what you mean. They've made her. <sighs> It's a horrible word, but they are making her frumpy. Yeah. And just angry at everyone and angry at other women. Yeah. Whereas in the first series, she she had this incredible confidence in herself. Absolutely, yeah. If you think back to that awesome episode where, you know, she... Um that with the singer in the bath, Maddie has that like encounter with her where she explains to her that, you know, all men are bastards, blah, 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 blah. Like, I can't see this Maddie doing that now. She feels like she's just kind of not, it feels like she's just not into it, anything. It's not consistent though, because she had that moment with the two blokes where she was quite in charge of, but that's yeah. the one moment in the series, I think. I think this series is definitely more the other way of what we're just, just describing. There's kind of flashes of it, but they've really desexualized her. They've made her quite angry. Do you think, like, I know we talked about it last episode, it's like, maybe they did know that she was going. Yeah, and they were like, well, we so. can't make them get together because she's I mean, not going to so be here. It's so sad because in my head, some of the stuff that happens in season one yeah. feels more natural to be in this season. For instance, them getting in bed together in House of Monkeys. Yeah, yeah. Feels like that should be in this season. Yeah. But that's season one. That's so long ago now. Yeah, no, that's true, I guess. But where do we go from? So we go from... Okay, yeah, it's a year. So it's a year from the end of season three to uh, to the next episode. Uh, after the, the first one without 
uh, Maddie, so it's a year. Like, maybe she'd want to take, like, an extended time off. I feel like just take a break for all of it. Take Wait a, for it. Take a break for all of it. But you don't know what contracts were going on or anything yeah. like that. And also, as well, at the time, I guess attitudes towards uh, ladies taking extended periods of time off to have a baby were probably quite grotesque. Not that they're that much better now, to be fair. Um, but I just... Yeah, something wild's gonna i know his name is obviously the name of the show but for me jonathan creek is always jonathan creek and maddie mcgallan it's kind of odd isn't it to me it'll always be called unexplained mysteries <laughs> by maddie mcgallan with jonathan creek <laughs> right let's see how you play with this up your spout You wait there, I'll get a cloth. On the next episode, we're confronted with the miracle in Crooked Lane. Up the Creek is produced by RKG. We make podcasts and videos about games, movies, basically anything fun, including 23-year-old BBC shows about a magician's assistant who lives in a windmill. If you'd like to find out more, visit patreon.com forward slash RKG. 